Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This fit nation. This is this is this this is this is this is this is this is this Man, all of these bars are making a killing Everywhere I go, looks like it's a place to be I see people that I know, but I feel like there's no one here but me Downtown's dead without you Girls walk by and friends say hi, Friday night It might as well be just another Out here in the throes of loud house music, everything's a blur. I don't hear the words, but lips are moving. Tried to get involved, but I've about had enough. People wall to the wall, and I'm just holding it up. Cause downtown's dead without you. Girls walk by. Say hi, but Friday night it might as well be just enough Tuesday night without you As long as you're still in my head There ain't no way that I can paint a ghost town red Downtown dead Downtown dead Lights. What am I doing with my life? Okay, I quit. I've had enough of this. These people are losing their minds. Can't get you out of my head. I'm calling it at night. I'm crawling back to your bed. Downtown's dead without you. Girls walk by and friends say hi, but Friday night it might as well be just enough Tuesday night without you As long as you're still in my head, there ain't no way that I can pray to go sound red Downtown's dead, downtown's dead 
right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. If you are that you're struggling to feel like you have are leading up towards a path of darkness, stop and think about those who are around you. Think about how they truly value you, how they will miss you. You're not alone. You need to talk to someone. Someone will listen to you. If you feel like you'll be a burden to someone or you're embarrassed to talk about what's going on inside your head, call the anonymous hotline at 1-800-273-8255 and press option one. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining us. Please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting apps to include the Military Broadcast Radio app and check out our family of shows there. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. It's the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell. This will keep you up to date with our latest news, episodes, and of course, stories of our guests. Speaking of which, our next guest was on the brink of suicide, induced by years of PTSD from fighting Iraq with the Marines. A series of supernatural invention interventions saved his life. His military service and deployments to a war zone were not by accident. He had engaged and often ran away from his enemies long before and after the war within the shadows of his past. His most recent book, The Road Ahead and Miles Behind, a story of healing and redemption between father and son, chronicles the story of a cross-country road trip taken during the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. With one of the darkest shadows of his past, his relationship with his father. His journey of service and writing has been featured in on the San Juan, San Jose Mercury, Huffington Post Live, and Conscious Magazine. So without further ado, let's welcome Marine Corps vet Michael Gorey to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Mike. Rich, good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to see you, brother. Uh, man, like we talk in the pre-show, it's been about five years since uh, we sat down and uh, we shared a beer together at a barn outside yeah. of Denver, and uh, we were both in different places at that time. And now, like we also talk, we're both uh, in a better place now for both of us. And it's great to see you. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how life works, man. Just, you know, separate paths, different paths of life. And here we are back again at it. So I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, Mike, if you don't mind, tell the Misfit Nation a little bit about your journey that I didn't talk about in the intro here to give them a little basis of you from as far back as you want to go through your service to where we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll just give you a quick rundown that I am a, uh, I'm a former Marine, um, but I know that's a little bit of irony into that because, you know, I'm just not actively serving, but I'm always a Marine. Um, I joined the Marine Corps in 2001 um, when September 11th happened. I was a senior in high school. And so instead of going to the junior college route and playing uh, football um, at Notre Dame, which was like my dream, like most most people, I grew up Catholic. Um, yeah, I ended, I ended up actually going the different route and finding that there was a bigger calling on my life. And there was something that just really pulled at me in the response to that tragic day. And so I decided to go join the Marine Corps and I ended up doing two tours of duty in Iraq, um, from 2004 and then 2005, and then got out of the military service in 2006. And when I came home, uh, from those tours of battle, I felt super accomplished, except the moment that I actually became a civilian. I had found out that um, the transition home was harder actually than being in a war zone. Frankly, I was actually more comfortable in being in a war zone. I'm sure some of your audience members could tell you that war is a lot easier than it was due to transition home and uh, adjust to civilian life after being in such a regimented organization for such a long time that told you how to wear your hair and how to walk, how to talk, what your uniform's supposed to look like. 
And that transition was super difficult for me. Uh, I battled PTSD and massive bouts of depression, trying to find my purpose and footing on the ground. And what I realized was, is that the thing that really saved me, it was very cathartic for me, was the art of writing. And so I ended up in 2009, 8, 2009 timeframe, I started uh, the journey of writing my first book called The Sandbox, a story of human spirit and war that chronicled my tours of duty in Iraq and coming home and dealing with the transition. Uh, and really it was about showcasing the toll that war takes on America's veterans, men and women. And over the course of that time frame, I had published a book and I did the book tour and I went on uh, a mini circuit, so to speak, and it was really fulfilling and very rewarding. But there was something deeper inside of me that was really pulling at me. You know, I thought it was the war and I think the war had its place in terms of life's events and challenges that were being presented to me. But there was something deeper that pulled at me and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I started noticing that as I got older and I started entering, my, you know, leaving my late 20s to my early 30s, I started noticing that my priorities have changed, that things were things looked different to me as I was growing and maturing. Um, I didn't have kind of the, uh, the rambunctious uh impulsive spirit of that of a Marine. And so my fellow Marines out there can relate to that. You know, we're always, we're always the type to just go after, do something and then ask questions about it later. There was, you know, there is no hesitation. If you do something, you're supposed to be committed to doing it. And that's, I think that's for all service members. We're just taught to follow orders and commit to things and follow through until the job gets done. And it's very admirable for us. But at this time, I started finding out that 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 rambunctious, impulsive spirit had left, and there was now more of this thoughtfulness, and that was more, but also this level of uh, comfort, so to speak. And frankly, it was a level of comfort that actually breeded mediocrity. And it's interesting because as I talk about this book later today, you know, more so in this episode with you, I started noticing that the comforts of everyday civilian life had actually taken me out of my ambition and the drive to seek a greater purpose that I had had in the Marines. And I thought it was the war and the transition home. And oh yeah, I just bookmarked that chapter, throw it in a box and put it on a shelf somewhere and move forward with my life. But that wasn't the case. I actually found out there was more to it than just the war. The war itself was the experience. But what I noticed, it was actually the relationship with my father. And that's, I mean, I was reading some of the notes on your the new book and, mm -hmm. and the journey you and your dad took across country. I mean, I know that you were going to speak about it, but that just a yeah. long ride to take cross country for one with anybody, regardless of the person that you had a kind of fractured relationship with before you got in the vehicle with them. So I'll let you share some of that journey here. Yeah. Not giving too much away. So people do go buy the book. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't want to give away the end of the book. Um, so, you know, it's, it's funny looking back and I think, you know, and just talking about men in general, and I'm going to gear this, this part of the conversation towards men out there. Men in society today look to their fathers to set the example of who they want to be as role models. And so that's the first, when we are born into this world, our fathers are the first man that we seek to really give us the lay of the land. This is it. And when we lock eyes with our father, there's this bond there. And as you grow up as a young boy, you watch and emulate your dad because your dad is either the coolest person that you've ever seen in your life, or he's the only person person that you know is teaching you how to be what you need to be in the world. 
But as young boys, we don't really truly question at that point in time why we do the things that we do. It is not until we get into manhood that we start finding out and start seeing that maybe dad didn't have all the answers. We thought he did when we were younger, but as you get older, you start noticing there's a little bit of rebellion between like, I'm not like you, dad. I have my own life. You shave your face all wrong. You know, you drink, you drink beer all wrong. There's so many different criticisms and judgments that we have as we age. And so as I'm speaking to the men out there, there are things that you do right now that inherent that you have inherited from your father. There just is. And then it now is the time for you to start thinking about why you do the things you do and what things are you that you inherited and took from your dad. And that was the journey that I went on as I got older. And as I mentioned before, in the previous part of this episode, I was noticing that the rambunctious, um, impulsive spirit of the Marine, the ambition of the Marine had dissipated and now came into this level of comfort and cruising and mediocrity. And this was no reflection on my father. It was actually a reflection of me settling, being okay with just, ah, I got it. You know, what's the point? I've already been to war, big deal. You know, I don't need to accomplish. I've already peaked, right? I've already achieved so much. I have, I have achieved a level of honor and sacrifice that very few people in modern day society could ever achieve. So what's the point? Where's the motivation? Why even do it anymore? Well, I started noticing that as I was diving in, I spent a lot of my early 30s doing a lot of deep reflection and inner work on that, that there was one thing that was really, truly holding me back. And this was the relationship with my father. And as you get older, and I'm speaking to the men again, you'll notice that, you know what, there's no point in trying to change other people, especially your dad. And it's ironic because we spend a lot of our lives fighting the rebellion of our parents trying to change us. So mom and dad, when we were kids, don't jump on the table, eat all your vegetables, don't eat junk food, you drank too much beer, you need to go do this. I don't like that girl you're dating. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. But then as we get older and our parents get older, we end up trying to change them. Dad, you're too old to go out and exercise. Mom, stop playing pickleball three days a week. You're going to hurt your hip. Oh, mom, you shouldn't be driving a car. You're too old to drive a car. So we tell our parents not to do stuff. And ironically, that was when we were kids, we hated that they told us to do stuff. <laughs> so this natural repelling of both of us, fathers, mothers, telling their sons and daughters to not do stuff, and we do it to our parents. And I had noticed for such a long time that I wanted to change my dad. Because my dad, when I was a kid, tried to tell me, this is how the world works. This is how things are. This is the way you need to be as a man. Here's the expectation of what a man is. And you're not meeting this, or you're not doing the things that you need to do. So already, in my youth, there was a level of comparison of who I needed to be as a man. How many of us can relate out there to that? What does it mean to be a man? A lot. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. And so now, as you get older, and as I got older, I started realizing that there were more than one definition of what it means to be a man. That every man's honesty in their, in their life's purpose and journey is to define what it is to be a man for themselves. But more importantly, what it defined, what it, what they want to define for themselves as a human being. What does it mean to you to be a good person? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be ambitious and motivating? 
And so I started noticing that there were these variations of what it meant to be high achieving, successful, motivated, ambitious, to be a man. What did it actually mean to be me without the standards and expectations set by my dad? And then the repelling started. And this repelling happened over the course of years, but it got very strong in my early 30s. So in 2020, the year we all love, I came to a I came to a point in about March, the late March after the country had shut down, that this unresolved issue between my dad may never ever get resolved. And so maybe, just maybe, I can get a cordial ground to walk on with him. We always stayed in our boxes, Rich. You know, we always stayed in stocks and bond, you know, talked about the stock market and bonds and business and college football. And, you know, from time to time, I would share a little bit about my relation, you know, my past relationships. And then every once in a while, we'd talk about life. But we were so different then. We, we had different religious beliefs. We had different political views. We had different everything. And sometimes it was the arguments that bordered on the line of the sky is blue. And then him on the other end saying, no, it's not. It's not blue. It's definitely not blue. You I mean, how about it? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. How many could relate? You know, how many of us could relate to um, combating with our father? Even if we know that something is true or it's actually proven by fact, our parents argue with us anyway. I'm sure you've experienced that yourself. Mine not at such a level because uh, I left at an early age and I really never went back. So, and mm. my dad have a pretty good relationship because it's on the phone most of the time. So, but when I go there, I try to make them do different things because, like you said, we try to change what they're doing as they yeah. get to try to help them or do something we think will help them. And, and we do get the pushback, believe me. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And that pushback's natural because we're so intimately bonded with our parents. I mean, they brought us into this world. They raised us, they clothed us, they fed us. They did the best they could with what they had at the time that they had it. And I think it's very important that everybody listens to that. Your parents did the best they could with what they had at the time that they had it. And there's a sense of responsibility that we carry that, you know, mom and dad, we put them on a scorecard, right? Like we judge them. Mom and dad grounded me when I was 16 minus one. Uh, they didn't let me go to prom minus two. You know, dad gave me a hundred bucks to go buy my, you know, go buy my first eight, six pack as a 21 year old plus one, you know, mom, you know, mom let me sneak out of the house and didn't tell my dad I broke it, you know, took the car out for the night. You know, there's all these things that we judge our parents at. And I started noticing that I had judged my father his entire life on basically the capability that he was as a parent. And so, you know, now I'm mixing in this cordial ground with the conversations that we walked in with this judgment and these point of views and these conclusions I had about my dad. And I sat there and I went, man, I pray to God that if this is that I hope that I could just have something with him this is it if this is it then this is it but at least let for us the rest of our lives to just walk on a cordial ground together and so as the year progressed and we're quarantining and everybody's you know everybody went which way under the sun and how they wanted to handle quarantine I started noticing that the feeling of reconciliation and acceptance and forgiveness with myself was starting to get harder was starting to come to the surface but more importantly, it was, why am I still so mad at him? 
I don't understand. And I thought of like the facts, Rich, you know, I thought about the events and the things that he said to me and didn't say to me and the things that he taught me that were completely wrong. And I, all I did was just kept blaming him. And lo and behold, it's funny when you start talking to God, source, spirit, universe, whatever anybody believes out there, higher power, whatever you choose to label it, it's always listening to you. And so when you say stuff out there that you're like, I just want to have something with my dad. I just want to have something with my dad. It's funny because literally the universe is like, okay, are you sure? And I'm like, I just want to have something to that. Just want to have something with my dad. Well, three, four weeks before my birthday in 2020, I get a phone call from him and he tells me, um, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? And I go, sure gets on the phone with me and says, um, you know, you and I haven't really spent a whole lot of time with each other. How would you like to go on a road trip with me to Sebring, Florida? And there's a race there, it's an auto race there called the 12 Hours of Sebring. And it's a very famous endurance race. It's three miles around this track. And these guys are racing for 12 hours straight. And it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a fun event. I suggest everybody go to it and check it out. Even if you're not uh, a motorsports fan, it's really great. And uh, Rich, I got to tell you, he ended up he he ended up uh, putting a very interesting proposition together. And I got to tell you, the first thing I thought about was goes no way in absolute you know what I am getting in a car with you for eleven days. So I'll, I'll I'll pause right there and just let you let everybody just digest that part because I've been talking for a little bit. You brought up a lot of things. I know a lot of, like you said, a lot of men go through things and I've talked to other men on here about the same thing. What is the definition of a man? And uh, mm. it's, it's a foggy area. It's kind of like the gray area. It depends on what you were brought up as and who taught you as you grown up, who your, your role model was, was it dad, was it granddad, who was around, who was there in your face, or was it your drill sergeant, your drill instructor when you got to that dude and that dude's yelling in your face for 24 seven, you didn't get to sleep. Mm-hmm. That was a man in front of you yelling at you. Is that a man? We don't know, but as we grow, we learn. And as you're talking about your dad, giving you the ultimatums and uh, giving you the social, the, the uh, I guess the offer you couldn't refuse. Right. <laughs> he gave that the godfather kind of thing to you. He gave you an offer you couldn't refuse to go down to Sebring in 11 days in a vehicle with him. I don't know, audience, if you can hear, see that 11 days in a vehicle with someone that you thought you had a, a horrible relationship with and you didn't want to sit next to. And then you get in there and you wind up having uh, three oh, 3,000 miles, was it? in 11 days and get to Florida, get to Sebring, watch a 12 hour race with him. And then you got to drive back. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank God we did. Well, thank God we didn't drive back that same, that same couple of weeks, because I don't know how it would have turned out, but you know, I will, I will tell you that when your father, the male role model that you've, you know, that you've always either tried to meet or exceed the expectations that he's placed on you invites you on a road trip for 11 days 3,000 plus miles. You have no idea how to get, how you're going to get there. And you're stuck in this Mercedes Sprinter van. For those of you guys know, it's the, basically an Amazon delivery van, the two of you. And, and my dad's one of these people, when he travels, he doesn't stop and like take in the sights. He's like four or five days, we're going. Like we stop in for bathrooms. It's very much like a convoy. It's very much like we stop when we need to. Everybody does their business. You get back in the truck and you go. And you know, Rich, I wanted to say no to him. I really did. I wanted to say no to him. I wanted to basically give him the, the big old middle finger to him because I was like, man, he, this is him trying to open his heart up to me. This is him trying to, you know, make peace with me after 30 years at this point. 
And I was like, man, I'm just going to tell him no. But again, going back to universe, God, source, spirit, higher power, whatever you choose to believe in, the moment I knew that this was meant to be was the moment that I heard this voice in the form of a James Earl Jones, kind of like Mufasa from Lion King. <laughs> very powerful, very calming, very grounded and, and, and stabilizing. The voice said to me, Michael, you need to go on this road trip with your dad. It may be the only one that you ever get with him. Now, here I am holding anger and grief, grievances against my father for years. And I have my opportunity to just really give it back to him. Just say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not playing this game with you, this fight with you. And I couldn't because this voice was so clear in my head. It was so powerful. And here I am listening to my dad. My dad's an old ad agency guy. So, you know, imagine if you have anybody out there who's watched Mad Men with Don Draper. My dad, my dad was like, you know, was it used to be a Don Draper. He used to pitch brands and companies uh, over ad campaigns of their products and services. And so my dad knows how to pitch a vision and an idea. And so I hear him in the background, you know, oh, it's going to be great. You know, we're going to camp and we're going to have great food and all this. And I just hear the selling points of this. And I wanted to say no to him. And that voice really changed my perspective. And so at the, you know, heeding the advice of that voice, I decided, you know, something tells me I need to go on this trip with him. And so I said, yes. And he was excited. He was, you know, and I was, I was kind of relieved, but I was also like really afraid because now I had said yes to the man that I had all these dark events and memories with. And I, when I talk about darkness, it wasn't anything, you know, dark or super heavy, but imagine the emotional heaviness that a son carries from their father when they're always trying to meet or exceed expectations that get placed on them. And I think a lot of us can relate to that that our parents do want for the best for us, but we always interpret it because we don't know any better at the time, what, that those are just the expectations that other people have of us, including our parents. And because we don't have a defined definition of what it, our standards and expectations are. And I think this is why the military in so many ways is incredibly beneficial and impactful for young men and women who are looking for that purpose, who are looking for standards and structure and expectations is because the or that the military gives us that type of organized structure it tells us an efficient way for us to operate but when we're young men and women and we don't know what our standards and expectations are mom and dad set those and we don't meet those expectations we lose value of ourselves in the world so for years even through the military it was very hard for me and challenging to meet the man face to face and be in a car with him for 11 days who i never really truly met his expectations but I got to tell you, Rich, when I said yes, I remember putting the phone down and I go, what did I just say yes to? Yes. It's going to be fun I, or hell. I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be something. And like you said, as we're young, they have expectations on us and we don't know about expectation management. And mm -hmm. as we like we, when we both went in the military, we learned about expectation management. You learn that every plan goes out the window once the first bullet's fired. Mm hmm then your expectations change. And even in outside the military, once you step out your house and you have this idea, I'm going to go to Walmart and, and get what I want there. When you get there, that expectation drops because most things are off the shelf. And you got you to gotta wind up getting something you didn't want to get. You get the monster instead of the Red Bull or whatever. 
those expectations change. And I know it, having those expectations on us as young men that builds anxiety without us even knowing it because you're trying to do everything you can to meet that expectation. And it also leads to things down the road. And then your military service probably compounded a lot of the anxiety and then depression and stuff like that as you went through there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's something interesting that you said too, because, you know, with, with even being in the military, the standards are so incredibly high. And then when you get out of that and you don't have that net or that organized structure to tell you, Hey, you are not meeting the standards in which were placed before you in society, the level of accountability actually is zero, right? Is zero. It's all on you. You're, you have to be your own coach. You have to be your own accountability partner. And that's the deal in the military. It's a unit. We all focus and run as a unit. We all focus on a mission as a unit. We're all operating as a unit. If somebody's not picking up their slack, everybody who's listening to this, who's either former military or is military knows that you got to call that person out and you're not doing it to be an a-hole or you know what you're doing it to say, Hey, you're not doing your job. And we as a team have to move forward together. So many of us get out of the military and we struggle with that. Right. And so, you know, and I know I'm digressing a little bit from the conversation, but I think this is very important because the accountability piece here is so critical for everybody to know and understand that you have to be your own coach and you have to be your own accountability partner. And that's just how it is when you get out. And especially previously before the military with even our parents, our parents are our accountability partners. They are the coach. And so when we don't have those standards or expectations of knowing ourselves or knowing what our value is in the world, every time we let mom and dad down, our value starts going down a little bit more because there's a reinforcement from them that we don't matter. if We can't meet what they want us to be. And so for me, I carried that burden from the time I was very young that no matter what I did, the attention of my father was never going to be, I was never going to get the attention I wanted from him. And I was never going to have that from him. So now going on this road trip that I said yes to, and I remember this because we went to Las Vegas for a weekend and it was right before we were going to get into a van and drive across country. I remember sitting there going, is this going to be the same trip that I've been on him before? I've been on camping trips with him before. I've been on plane flights with him before. I've gone back east with him before from the West Coast uh, in California, where we were born, where I was born and raised. And now I'm sitting there going like, man, is this just going to be the same stuff, different day? And I started realizing, honestly, Rich, I started realizing that my dad is a person and he, he was a human being before me before I knew him as dad. He had his own interests, perspectives, and point of views. He had his own experiences and things in life that shaped and formed him as a man. So the moment we got into that car and we started driving, I started realizing that I actually only knew my dad as dad and the scorecard, and I didn't know my dad as a person. And that's when the conversation opened up when I finally said to him, dad, what were you like before I was born? And Rich, the moment I asked him that question, he told me everything. And the course of the book really details um, the really details the journey of what it's like when we actually have tough conversations with our parents and not to cause conflict, but to heal ourselves of the trauma and the weight that we have carried from trying to make ourselves matter to them. 
And I learned that that healing conversation actually with my dad and listening to him, why did he work so late? Why was he trying so hard to provide for us? And, you know, cause I have three other brothers too. Why was he trying so hard to provide for us? Like, why was he not going to all of our baseball games all the time or showing up to certain events or when he would take me to sporting events, how come he was kind of half in half out, you know, he was like checked into the game and spending time with me, but he was also on the phone with his clients. Why was that? And I think a lot of us don't understand that with their parents, that they were doing the best they could with what they had at the time that they had it. My dad, especially as a man, the role of provision is very, was very vital to him from a monetary standpoint for his men, his generation and his age. That's what they were taught for us men who are listening late twenties, early thirties, even forties. There's some level of that, but there's a lot more that we have to bring to the table instead of just putting food on the table. You know, you have to be involved in your kids' lives. Your kids want you to be involved. And so that question really changed the dynamic, Rich. It really did. And uh, the book really just chronicles the entire journey and the stories about faith, family, and relationship. Uh, I was able to really be able to know my father, not just as a man, but I just not as a father, but knew him as a man. And we ended up uh, experiencing what I would call a trip of a lifetime. I don't think ever, and, and I say this sadly, but I also say this, I also say this with an immense amount of love and joy that I got to experience that. I will never have another trip with my father the way I had that trip with him during COVID. It just, you can't replicate it. It's not the expectations are too high for it now. So you'll never, yeah. it. it'd, be, right. it'd be insane to try to replicate it since you had such a great journey with him there and got so much out of it including the, the book that we're talking about now. Yes. Road Ahead, Miles Behind, A Story of Healing and Redemption Between Father and Son. And this comes out uh, June 14th-ish, right? Uh, this. Mm -hmm. So uh, where, yeah. can, well, where can people pick it up? Yeah, absolutely. So you can grab it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, and, you know, or you can just visit my website, MikeLigori.com. That is M-I-K-E-L-I-G-U-O-R-I.com. Um, and... You know, it would mean a, it would mean a lot to me for everybody listening. It would mean a lot to me, and just also that this not this book is so much bigger than purchasing of the book. This book is really truly about supporting you and other people that you know in their journeys to healing and redemption. And healing and redemption could be whatever you want it to be, but we all have stuff with our parents, and our parents have stuff with their parents, and it has been like this since the dawn of time. And you know what? Frankly, it's part of your DNA. Some of you out there might not think you have something with your parents, but there is a memory from your childhood that you have still held on to. And this is the time now for anybody that maybe has anger or resentment towards your parents, that your parents want something with you just as much as you deep down want something with them. And this book is meant to give you the opportunity to heal that and to meet them and meet them where they are so they can meet you where you are and to bridge that gap because it's never too late to have something with your parents. It just never is. Right. And, you know, and I'm not encouraging everybody to just go out and shake hands and just forget the past is the past, you know, that every relationship and family dynamic is different. But the message of this book really is, is that to spread awareness and to spread opportunity and healing for every single one of you out there, that it's never too late to have something with your parents. And you can still have something with them, whether it's five years, 10 years, because at some point your parents aren't going to be here. Right. And you're going to be a parent and you might be a parent now and you're looking at your kids right now and wondering, I don't ever want to continue the generational curses that have been handed down. 
from my parents to me, from my grandparents to my parents, from my great-grandparents to my grandparents, you have the opportunity right now to stop the cycle and to raise your kids in a loving manner, manner way that they want to so they can do it for them. And that's what this book's about. Exactly. You brought up a good point. They're not going to live forever and it's better to do it while you still have them around. You never know when the next craziness like 2020 can happen again and maybe take your parents away from you or you away from them. You don't know what's yeah. happening. So uh, bury the hatchet as much as you can. Like you said, every relationship is different. You don't know how mm-hmm. deep the wounds are, so it might take a little time. But do what you can to try to uh, fix the fences. Uh, my my story, My I was gone for most of my daughter's life because it was no. Mm-hmm. no And when I got out, she published her first book. So I was able to be there for that after I retired and go on the book tour with her on her first book. And now she helped me edit my book, which is behind me, 13 Step Guide to Success. And we go to lunch every Wednesday now. And she's married out of the house. But every Wednesday, we make it a point to go to lunch and just chat and just be together, be be present with each other. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's really great. And like for, for you to take ownership of that, you not being there and coming back. And making an effort of commitment too, and making commitment part of your, your daily life routine that it's like, I commit to what I say I'm going to do. And I'm committed to being a father after serving my country, which is such a massive thing. That is such a big responsibility that every single person who has served has taken that responsibility. And even so, the fact that you're like, you know what, I wasn't there a majority of the time because I was doing something pretty massive. I'm going to be there for her now. And, and, and kudos to you and honor to you, man, for being able to say, I'm making time to spend time with my daughter every single Wednesday, and I'm going to go on her book tour. I'm going to be there now. And that just goes to show everybody, Rich is making it a priority to understand that it's never too late for him as a parent to have something with his, his daughter. So if you're a parent out there, you have an opportunity to have something with them too. Thanks for that, Mike. And uh, Mike, thanks for taking some of your time today to share. Absolutely your journey with the Misfit Nation. And of course, don't forget to, you can pre-buy it right now on Amazon. I seen it on there earlier. The Road Ahead and Miles Behind, the story of healing and redemption between father and son and learn about how you can uh, make that a healing move with your parents and their parents and as far back as you want to go to try to get get the cycle broken. Uh, Mike, thanks again. Uh, Thank you, Rich. It's been an honor. And uh, if anybody has any questions, please uh, feel free to give me a follow or DM me on Instagram at Mike.Ligori. That's L-I-G-U-O-R-I. More than happy to help out and assist where I can. So thank you for Rich having me on, Rich. I appreciate it. Awesome. And I'll put all his links in the notes so you can easily click them if you didn't write them down. Have a good one, Mike. All right. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate you.
You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. 
because we are Fit Nation.
of silence. 